everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today we've got an interesting episode for you because we'll be diving into The Crown's Season 4, Episode 6, Terra Nullius, Nobody's Country. Um, and it feels a little bit like we've kind of seen this movie before. There's some deja vu happening uh, also kind of like a dream where like the details have changed since the first time you saw it. Um, and it definitely aged badly, uh, it was shades of 1954, but also completely different. So as you can see, we have a lot to dive into joining me as always are my two co-hosts. First, a man who once drank a yard of ale in a sconce pot in 11 seconds. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, three questions. How much is a yard? What is a sconce pot? And is that an impressive time? Uh, th- three questions. Jeez, oh, how much time do you have? Uh, can can I just answer one of them? Sure. Uh, re- uh, repeat them one more time. Okay. Question number one: What is the? How much is a yard? Pass. <laughs> what is a sconce pot? Pass. <laughs> is eleven seconds a good time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, also back with us today, the woman who invented the story of the Russian bear hunter. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin. I've heard it said before that comedy at its heart is actually a very lowbrow profession. How would you rate Charles, probably the most highbrow person that has ever existed as a comedian? I cannot believe that, like, he found that funny. (laughs) He just doesn't seem like the kind of person who finds anything funny. Maybe it's because it's about Russians. I feel like the English probably think Russians like just do that on the regular. So maybe it's actually a little bit. I don't know if that's considered racism or not. I don't think so because they're white. I yeah. think it's still, <laughs> it still is a little stereotypical for sure. Anti-Russian. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as always, before we get things kicked off, we just want to say that if you came here uh, for any sort of like factual clarity about the events that transpired, in the crown you've come to the wrong place because we don't know we're learning about all these events for the first time and so we're just assuming that everything we saw on the tv is factually accurate and kind of going off of that also uh this episode just uh kind of like warning did have uh the eating disorder psa that we saw a couple episodes ago uh once again information and resources as it said on that card can be found at www.wanttalkaboutit.com. So uh, if you know anybody who may be struggling with that, that's definitely a resource that you can use. Uh, But with that, I think we'll get things kicked off with a quick recap. So Ivan, can you give us a quick recap of Terra Nullius? I'll keep it quick. Uh, Yeah, so Terra Nullius. In this episode, uh, it opens in 1983, where a newly elected Australian Prime Minister, Bob Hawke, wants to seize on this moment and uh, drive Australia towards independence from the crown uh, so that they can sever ties and and be their own country uh, without feeling like they are subjects of the the Queen. So... uh, he uh, has fortunate timing ahead of him because Charles and Diana are about to embark on a six-week tour. And uh, what better way to make Australians uh, hate the crown even more than having to have Charles parade through their country for six weeks uh, at great cost uh, to the Australian taxpayers. Meanwhile, Charles and uh, Diana uh, obviously are continuing to... uh, 
undergo a lot of difficulties in their marriage. And uh, Philip and Elizabeth think that this Australian tour will be a good opportunity for them to uh, come a little closer together and get to know each other better, um, just as uh, Philip and Elizabeth did back in uh, 1954. So uh, the the tour is not off to a good start because uh, you know Diana insists on bringing along a little uh, baby Prince William uh, and not be separated f- uh, from him as is the custom when royals travel uh, uh, to foreign lands. Uh, so William is with them and Diana is disheartened to learn that he will still uh, be separated from her for two weeks at the early part of the trip, uh, which she is very opposed to, but uh, reluctantly agrees to up until the point where she, you know, changes her mind and uh, the first couple days of the trip are, are not, uh, not very happy, not very fruitful for Charles and Diana and the royals, and really just kind of playing into what uh, the new prime minister wants to happen, which is that they are a uh, seemingly miserable, uh, you know, couple who don't know much about Australia and don't seem like they're having a good time. Uh, But lo and behold, uh, once uh, uh, Charles and Diana arrive at a remote location uh, where uh, William uh, was essentially being kind of boarded, they have a bit of a heart to heart and actually, uh, you know, discover uh, some opportunities to tweak their marriage a little bit and really kind of focus on what they like about each other and try to cultivate that a little bit more. Um, so we are then uh, sort of sprung into a very uh, happy stretch of the tour where both Charles and Diana are just charming the pants off of everyone, uh, particularly uh, uh, Diana. And this eventually becomes a bit of a problem because Charles starts to notice that uh, all of the Australians are deeply in love with his wife, but they don't really seem to care much for him. And he feels that she is uh, kind of stealing his thunder in in every way and making somewhat of a mockery out of him. Uh, This then kind of spirals into, uh, uh, once again, a bit of a disillusion of their uh, happiness um, and kind of putting them back right where they started at the uh, beginning of the episode. Uh, And then meantime... uh, but in the meantime, the damage has been done uh, in terms of the prime minister not getting what he wanted because Diana's uh, foray throughout Australia was so successful and people like her so much that uh, it doesn't look like they are going to be uh, parting ways with the crown anytime soon. Uh, once uh, Charles and Diana return uh, to the UK, uh, they go off to separate homes and Diana uh, makes a trip to Buckingham to see the queen to tell her about how unhappy uh, her marriage to Charles is and and kind of seek counsel and advice and comfort, uh, see if there's anything that can be done to strengthen their marriage and also for Diana to feel more integrated into the family Whereas at the moment she feels a bit of an uh, feels like a bit of an outcast, uh, she tries to make an appeal to Elizabeth, uh, tries to hug her on her way out, uh, but Elizabeth uh, does not take kindly to this uh, and walks away, uh, leaves Diana in the dust. So that is season four, episode six, Terra Nullius. Thanks, Ivan. Have we ever seen someone try to give Queen Elizabeth a hug before? Is this the first time she's been hugged ever? <laughs> I, I think so, and that's. It made you almost gasp. You're like, oh, no, I don't think you can do that. I don't think she's capable of that. Her her reaction was my reaction. Uh, yeah, no, it was a real surprise. She could not have run out of that room any faster. The meeting was already over, but she... <laughs> it wasn't just like a regular hug either. It was like a I'm trying to envelop myself into you hug. <laughs> oh, it was... 
it was wild. Imagine trying to do that to the queen. Um, yeah, if this episode were an Olivia Rodrigo song, it would be one step forward, three steps back, because Charles <laughs> <laughs> and Diana have what Diana calls the most important conversation they'll ever have. And it does seem like midway through the episode that they are taking a step forward in their relationship, but then it all falls apart so quickly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that we've seen a relationship implode quite to this degree on this show. Maybe like Mike and his or Mike Parker, but I feel like that even like took a while <laughs> to kind of fall apart. Didn't you say at the at the top of this episode that uh, it had a lot of deja vu? Like, wouldn't it be that song? <laughs> it would. It could be that song as well. But I feel like. Well, I mean, the title of the song is apropos, but I feel like the the lyrics to the to Deja Vu don't really apply. Oh, I see. Okay. I was going just off titles. You know, a Deja Vu for the Australia, and then one step forward, three steps back for Diana and Charles. Yeah. Although it what was... If, de- what <laughs> if... Wait, wait. What if the lyrics do apply from the perspective of Camilla? Oh, maybe. Maybe. That's true. Hmm. I didn't think about that. So we have a song for everyone. I would need to go back. I mean, it's not like Charles has taken Camilla to Australia. Maybe he has, but mm, <laughs> I true. feel like he I hasn't. I doubt it. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he likes Australia. Quick note before we start. This episode was directed once again by our uh, friend, not our friend, but a friend, Julian Gerald, director of A Royal Night Out. That's fun always when we get a Julian Gerald directed episode. Oh, I like this one. This had some good visuals. Good for you, Julian. Oh, yeah. This was an exceptional episode. Like, really kind of the centerpiece of the season. Yeah. I did find it a little bit weird when he did, like, choose to superimpose a map with, like, a plane flying over <laughs> as a transition. I feel like we've never really seen that in The Crown. Is he also directing The Rings of Power? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we meet Bob Hawk at the beginning of this episode, and it seems like it's setting up kind of like Bob Hawk as kind of like a, a villain, but Bob Hawk does really nothing to <laughs> advance his position. It was interesting to kind of start with Bob Hawk because it's not like he does anything to really kind of like push his country away from the monarchy. He's just like, oh, this will hopefully not work out, and then Diana is a triumph. Yeah, I mean, he he's really just there to react. Like you, you actually could have taken him out of the episode altogether, and and just kind of like framed public reaction through some other means, and and nothing would have been lost. That's we true. We have to know what's at stake for the crown. We had to give Elizabeth a villain. But the thing is, like El- Elizabeth wasn't really in this episode much, so you could have just replaced all the scenes with the prime minister with scenes of like Martin giving Elizabeth a report on how it's going in Australia and and how oh, public true. opinion is swaying. Yeah, yeah, they just wanted to have that bro moment at the end where Hawk was like, "Your wife is fucking both of us over." It did give us the fun line. We learned that Bob's wife's name is Hazel, and it's strange to name a person after a tree. I've heard that name a lot. I think that's like a, a northern new, like... hemisphere tree. Oh yeah. yeah, but I have heard like little little kids named Hazel. To I guess it, it had a resurgence. Um. So as Liz mentions, when she went to Australia in 1954, just in case you missed it, that was 1954 when she and Philip went to Australia. Uh, things were very different. People were very excited, at least as far as we saw in The Crown, that they were there. And Liz and Philip, as we know, 
had some marital difficulties of their own, but they worked through them on the trip and they came out stronger on the other side. I always lose this clip. I was going to say like you, you were you were kind of building towards something that never came. Oh, here it here it is. One of my favorite clips. Uh, it really was a good one. The thing is, I don't remember them making up. I guess they did. Was that when he got his prince title? No, because that that no, the prince title was season two. This this yeah. like fifty four. That would have been season one. Like what? Mm -hmm. What was the argument about? Oh, was it about the family name, like Windsor oh, and Mountbatten? I think maybe. so. Oh, See, right. Phil, here's the thing. Charles and Diana need really specific things to fight over. They're just fighting over like big picture, emotional existential stuff i so, think they're know, fighting over camilla like well, I mean, yeah but like <laughs> could charles fix that yeah will he no when queen elizabeth and prince philip went to australia very different situation it was a triumph and the reason why is because she did not bring her two children oh obviously that's why it was that a was triumph. why it was and no she does not think that that did any lasting damage <laughs> <laughs> like just talked about the lasting damage like last episode i think it's no. really funny the way like she totally forgot all of that um no she doesn't see any problem with leaving the children at home but diana is very different than queen elizabeth she can't be away from william william is like kind of it, just something that stabilizes her in her life and so william will come on the australia tour even though it's maybe not quite the ideal situation for a baby but you know they're going to do it because Diana's image that she puts forward is like, first, I am a mother. Um, I don't think Queen Elizabeth has ever said those words in her life. No, I don't think she has. Like I said, I think she has to be reminded every five years that she has kids. It does really <laughs> seem to be something that she struggles with. But yeah. yeah, no, it seems like William is almost like a, you know, like emotional support dogs. Like that's kind of what he does in this situation, except he is a human being. Yeah. That is a baby. I was surprised a little bit. Like, obviously, there's moments, I think, when they go back to go to William. So, basically, Diana has made it, uh, like, contingent. Her her uh, attendance on the tour contingent on William being there. And she doesn't learn until they get on the plane that, actually, they're going to be separated for two weeks because the first part of this tour is probably the hardest part, and you really can't bring a baby on it. So, they send William to... Is this like a sheep farm? What are they like? Where is this? Yeah, he got sent to a sheep farm. <laughs> I was so like, why? Like, why was he just not staying at a Hilton in Sydney? <laughs> no, that's what I didn't get either. Like, they have to come back to a hotel. Just put the baby in there with some nannies. <laughs> why does yeah. he need to be so far away? <laughs> like, that that seems like it would have been a more expensive arrangement, right? You'd think, is this um, in a dean just making things really difficult for fun? I don't know. Or, or, or like, was there somebody in Australia that like offered th these accommodations uh, for free? I wonder if it was just because it was better pictures. They were like, ah, we're going to bring the baby. We need someone to be photographing him in a really idyllic setting. Right, because eventually, eventually, like when, when uh, Charles and Diana arrived, like the press followed them, right? There were photographers there too. I'm telling you, I would be stationed out for the baby. Because he can't complain about the photos. Well, this was probably set years ago. And as Michael Adin, I don't actually, I don't know if his first name is also Michael. I just know his, I just know I his last name. I think it's, I think it's Edward. Edward Adin. How do you know, how do you know this? Yeah, where'd you get that? <laughs> uh, 
I think closed captioning. Oh, it was in the, but it was never okay. said. It was in I the caption. I would just say a dean. <laughs> yeah, I think I've only heard him referenced as a dean thus far. I don't know his first name. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, let's go with Eddie. I believe you. Yeah, fine. I believe you. I mean, I'll still call him a dean. I don't know that I'm ever going to call him by his first name. Um, but as he says, we can't just change things around willy nilly. You can't change things once they've been scheduled on the tour. Very difficult. Okay, so, but then after they get to Sydney, or actually, do they land in Sydney? I was a little bit confused because I know they ended in Sydney as well. Weren't they? Uh, or do they I start in, they Perth? in Perth? Were they in Melbourne? They were, were they in Perth. And then they, well, no, they arrived in Alice Springs of all places, which is like in the Northern Territories. It is a very, like, kind of, not like totally off the radar place, but fairly remote by Aussie standards. Um, so they land there. William is like immediately sent away. And it seems like William being sent away really does kind of shake Diana. Like we see that Diana is capable of really kind of like captivating a room. But that first interview that she has, she really bombs it. Uh, she really does very poorly. Yeah, no, she she did. And it, you know that that was real because they had a television. <laughs> so someone has that footage. Uh, I think she said, what did she say? Ayers Dock instead of Ayers Rock? Yeah, Ayers Dock. <laughs> Diana. Wait, wait. Are, are you two familiar with Ayers Rock? Yeah, it's a rock. I'm not. Are you? Yeah, I'm not. Like, I, I could have just as easily made that mistake. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really big, like, rock formation. And, like, there's mi- there used to be mines there. I learned that in a video game. Wait, wait Definitely which, which, what video yeah, game? what video game? <laughs> <laughs> um the playstation franchise the sly cooper franchise and it was the third oh, game sly cooper. they took you to airs rock australia and you had to fight a bunch of minor dingoes who were like mining up the area and ruining the environment and you teamed up with a koala to defeat the miners and yeah that was that was the level so i know is the are the sly cooper games like set in the real world i always assumed it was just like some fictional land yeah so everyone's an animal but it's set in the real world so like every level is a different like city or area or country so like yeah paris so 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 this is where you learned your geography Mm -hmm. all right all right yeah it came back and i was right yeah there you go (laughs) education it's in this interview also that we learn or or we see charles try his comedy routine but with an audience that is not impressed with him going in he tries to make a joke about how diana loves glamorous balls and and he's just like crickets they i really think he paid everyone in the like the basement where him and camilla were telling their bear story I mean, it was kind of funny, but also, like, they laughed too much for the way the Australians did not laugh. And they seemed like they enjoy a good joke. So, like, when when we first met Charles last season, like, there, were, there was a lot of dorkiness to him. Like, he, he was pulling this kind of stuff pretty early on. And mm-hmm. at, at first, it was pretty charming. You know, like, it, it made him really likable. And now it just makes him very cringy. And I'm wondering, like, has he changed or have we? Because it's like... It's the same bad jokes, but now, you know, he's telling them like in in a different setting, in a different context, and he just doesn't come across nearly as likable anymore. Well, now he's an adulterer, so <laughs> to me that made it worse. I think he's like there's one thing if he was telling sure. those jokes with Camilla while not being married. It's it's worth noting also that I think this is the uh, episode that Josh O'Connor won an Emmy for. Oh, oh, is this episode? Yeah, that makes sense. 
this is the one, yeah. And I mean, like, it makes sense that the, the the scene with him and Diana talking about their marriage alone was probably like one of the best scenes of the entire series. Yeah, no, they like they killed it. They have so much chemistry, and honestly, you kind of know what happens in the story, but you're like, I really wish things would have worked out for you two right then because it was such a like wonderful experience to see them working together. I don't it, know. It made you root for them. It did. And then you're like, oh, no, <laughs> my happiness is gone so fast. But but I do wonder, like, uh, I, I mean, assuming that conversation even did happen the way it did in real life, are are the, the subsequent reasons for them drifting apart again? Uh, like, do they seem kind of arbitrary? Like, if I'm Charles, like, I wouldn't be getting like upset about the fact that Diana is like, you know, such a magnet for like good press. Like I would just be, you know, playing that to my advantage and just being like, well, you know, that that's my doing. Like I'm the one who achieved this. No, see, these royals are all no offense. They're all kind of morons. They're clearly not seeing that like they need someone in the modern age to like keep them going. Then they just turn on Diana. I think with Charles, it felt like, it it both like it dug into both their core wounds of that idea of like needing attention so it was just an unfortunate thing that like they should be like i said they should be working as a team but they like were so they probably get so like hurt so easily by not having attention that charles just couldn't handle it and it sucks like yeah that isn't a good reason to like start hating your wife who's really helping like your future as king by making people like you or like parts of you that are associated with you. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Because like, I don't know, I didn't see like, how Diana was really making it worse. Like there was a little bit where she was like smiling at the camera while he was doing his speech. There wasn't that much. She was just doing her job. Yeah, I think that's why Charles comes off as so unlikable, because it really does feel like Diana didn't do anything. I feel like even like the face she made when Charles was making a speech, like it's like she said, she was just kind of like, you know, playing up the moment, but it wasn't anything super offensive. But Charles is so mad <laughs> about the face that like Diana made that he didn't even see. He doesn't know. I don't think there's even a camera like he can't go watch the replay. So it's all just kind of like speculative, like things that he's made up in his mind. And he just kind of he's just losing it. He can't handle Diana's triumph quote unquote well he did think say that he thought that diana thought he was an old man so maybe that's what's playing into all this because now the entire australian population acts like he's a boring old man but isn't that exactly how he comes across i mean yeah no they're, they're right they're right they're shining truth light onto him i i yeah i feel like that that is him having some unintended self-awareness yeah. i think also we learn a lot more details kind of about what's going on with Camilla. I mean, given the scene that we see at the beginning where they're both kind of telling the story about the Russian bear hunter, it's it's it must be so obvious to everyone what's going on because Camilla's always there and it seems like Diana is never there because she doesn't like being at Highgrove. Then we learn while they're fighting that apparently on their honeymoon, Charles wore the the CNC cufflinks that Camilla gave him. She found love letters. She just found all this other stuff that's just, <laughs> it makes it, it's not even like a good, he's not good at hiding, he's not even trying to hide it. No, he's not. <laughs> that was a little confounding because like, I, I mean, he kind of plainly denies 
to Diana that there's anything going on there that isn't on the up and up. But how do you just like wear those cuffs? Like, what was the story that he told? Watch it be that like, oh, my secretary picked them out. <laughs> but no, like what what explanation did he give for uh, C and C? Maybe he was like, it's both for Charles. <laughs> I was going to say it's a that, Chanel. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's just my initial. Um, don't worry about the second C. It's cool Charles. Cool Charles. <laughs> Chill Charles. What uh, I didn't really get from this episode and what I was still curious about is like Diana's lack of a support system. It feels like she really has no one, which I know can't be true, right? Because she has a sister who... You know, she's been with. I'm. Con- she I'm has assuming- like a sister who didn't like her. I guess, but like her, where are her parents? Wait, did like- we know that? Yeah. Did you? Well, I mean, you could see the way that like she was kind of like not into this marriage. I think she was still mad that it wasn't her. Well, she. But her, we only saw her sister in the very first episode. She like disappeared like after Charles called her to ask her if he can ask Diana out. Like we we don't know anything about what Sarah thought of what was going on since then i would believe that literally none of her family are helping at this point um i buy that what happened to grandma hopefully yeah she's a great support system well are diana's parents are her parents still around they're divorced um did we see her dad or her mom i don't think we've ever seen seen anyone yeah she they really make her seem like she's on an island grandma and the sister (laughs) yeah so yeah maybe they're (laughs) they're all not there yeah I, i fully believe she just has william why don't they invite her to the Windsor women dinners? Did no one else notice that every time that Liz is talking to like Margaret and Queen Mother and Anne, that Diana just isn't mm. invited? That attending those dinners would improve nothing. I'm Th- sure it the, would, but th- like those you know, look you just... like the the saddest, most pathetic dinners. Like <laughs> there, there, there is the no, nothing, nothing counts. joyous going on there. Like if if Diana attended one of those dinners, she'd be like, oh. I've made an even bigger mistake than I previously thought. I mean, yeah, I, I just think she, I want to know if she got invited and like said no, or if it was like never invited. Honestly, like with the the person that Anne has now turned into, I, I think Diana needs to stay far away. Yeah, that's mm. uh. Although Anne like rubbing the no, I mean she really is against Diana. The way she was like rubbing motherhood into Liz's face, like oh. <laughs> Look at Diana being a good mom that you weren't. And, and also referencing uh, Elizabeth's previous trip to Australia as having taken place in the 18th century. Yeah, no, Anne is, uh, Anne's on a war path. And the well-timed uh, snap of the breadstick at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was unnecessary. <laughs> I'm telling you, Anne seems to want to... We have several members of this family that want to kill someone in Charles's nuclear family. The thing is, though, it's like Anne is like, you know, she was complaining about how Diana gets all the attention and everybody loves her. It's like, look in the mirror. There's not much to love about you right now. Ouch. (laughs) And like, she probably had that attention before Diana. Like, did you even like it? I thought you didn't like all the paparazzi at your house. I mean, we since we were introduced to the, you know, adult version of Anne last season, she's always had like, you know, some feistiness to her, some attitude, but it, it used to be a lot more playful than it is now. Like now now she just seems like she's out to hurt people. Back to Ivan's favorite conversation. The best conversation we've ever had in the crown. So, to kind of like they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then Charles is like 
but I love you. And Diana's like, gosh. Um, what? <laughs> no, it's oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh gosh. Is Charles sincere? Do we think? Like, I don't know where this is coming from. Does he just want to stop fighting? I think he has two loves, very different degrees and for different purposes. Like, I think if there hadn't been Camilla, I think they still wouldn't have been like a perfect marriage. But I do think there is like some fondness there if like in the arranged marriage scenario. I mean, if you think about it, like, I don't know, is he a complete monster? Like, Diana is a really good mother to his son. I think that's supposed to give you some fondness for a human being. I think it's genuine. I don't think it's the same love for Camilla, though. Like, not at all. Mm, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. Like, he can say these words, but I just don't, I'm not seeing it from him. Yeah, like, because prior to that conversation, like, you, you don't even get the sense that he's even really attracted to Diana. Like, there's just nothing there. Yeah, like when they get to this sheep farm in, I don't even know, Wamargara or whatever it is, like Diana runs inside, right? She can't get to William soon enough. And then we just kind of like pan over to Charles, just kind of like scowling at her through the window. He's like, how are we here right now? And we even see that scene earlier where he's on the phone with Camilla because we know that they talk basically every day. And he's just complaining about how immature she is and how she's not tough and how she's just like, I don't know. He seems almost like disgusted by her at a lot of points in this episode. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is a bit of a heel face turn. And I am curious if that was just the way he's felt all along or if there was somehow an aha moment there. Yeah. I'm really struggling to kind of figure out what happened there. Maybe he's just in love with, the idea of what he hopes him and Diana could become, a la what his mom said was possible in her little story. Because I think it's like she's objectively beautiful. She's so far been like, you know, the kind of mother he wished he had had. Like, sorry, that's very clear. And like, she's kind. Like, otherwise, yeah, no, they don't really have much going for them. I like to think that there's a little bit of truth to that. But I think it's a lot of like him really wishing that it was true. I think it's the same with her. Like, no, actually, I think she did have like a genuine crush on him in the very beginning. Oh, she absolutely so, did. Yeah. So she's hearkening back to like a real crush. And he, I think, is trying to manifest an idea. But, you know, what she said about like him being like the cleverest person in any room. Like, really? <laughs> like, what 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 rooms is he in? She uh, she has a very specific social circle where he does look impressive. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a room with like her, him, and Queen Mother. Did you also catch like one of the things that really attracted Charles to Diana was um, basically how people love her more than his mom? <laughs> I did see that, and it was really fun. You'd think that he would be thrilled with this. Yeah. He, he really has like an ace here to really like, destroy his mom's love like legacy right right exactly that's what i'm saying it's like why why is he not playing this to his advantage why isn't he like taking the success of the tour especially how much people seem to like diana and just rubbing it in elizabeth's face i'm telling you he and to this day he pays the consequences of not like of taking diana for granted it really just was antithetical to his core need which was to be encouraged and appreciated. I need encouragement and the occasional pass on the back too. <laughs> which was so annoying. I mean, but also he's not wrong. Like, I mean, he has received so little love in his life. 
But it's like, then Diana will actually like give it to you. It seems like she's actually willing, like when things were good to like, you know, actually give him that encouragement. And it's like, she didn't stop doing that. She just got more popular than you. I'm sure if you had told her like at the end of the day, like, hey, your fans are booing me. Like, <laughs> she would have been like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, but see, this is why, like, I, I think we really lost something by, you know, the the you know episode three ends with them about to be married and then when we see them again in the following episode like diana's already pregnant i feel like those first couple weeks and months of their marriage is something that i would have really liked to see to get a better understanding of how we got to this point because like it skips around a little too much and and you know we're now six episodes into this season and it's still 1983 like we have not covered a lot of territory uh, like it's going at a glacial pace but still kind of skipping over what i consider to be some pivotal moments yeah you're right i do wish we because i think that because i don't think charles and camilla started their affair we don't get the implication that it started right away after the marriage so i want to know when it happened i don't know i think that maybe like if we had seen that it would have just been what they mentioned in kind of like the fight and it just would have made us even more kind of like against Charles, which I don't know that the show is really wanting us to do yet. I think they really want it to kind of like slow burn up to there because now we're like past the midpoint of the season. We'll have to get that information from some like God awful TV movie that we'll (laughs) dive into after all of this. Surely there are so many. I mean, I think, well, actually we don't really do documentaries, right? Because I know there's a Diana thing on HBO Max. Oh, there's a Diana thing on HBO Max. There's a six-part podcast. There's a a lot. On every platform. All right, so then after they agree to be like a team, they go out into the world. The crowds are really mobbing. Terrible crowd control, by the way, by whatever Australian metropolitan police, because the crowd literally, like, they're all cheering. They're cheering out windows. They're cheering on the streets. Then they, like, mob her, and they, like, it seems like they, like, push Charles away, (laughs) like, Terrible, very dangerous. <laughs> you you would think like, you know, post JFK assassination that like you would just not have this lax of security for anybody who's like a, uh, you know, member of state or royalty. Yeah. That's Hawk trying to uh, instigate a little, little assassination there, clearly. Let's I don't think that would have helped this cause. <laughs> You're right. That would actually make it so much worse. We see her nailing a radio interview. So that's how we know she is capable of really turning it on when she is kind of when she has it like together and she's not like (laughs) being abused. Then we kind of see them kind of doing things separately. We see Charles play polo terribly. He literally falls off his horse. And meanwhile, we see Diana at a pool with is this like a, a swim team and just the stark contrast between the two experiences that they have is very marked like when charles shows up to polo the press here also was a fun character as like a an aggregate because they were so vocal i don't know that we've ever seen like the press this vocal but they're like to charles's face like we're only here for diana what was that the press or just a member of the public i think it was both this is really australia ruining this marriage like directly (laughs) australia yeah. Wait, so were those two events taking place at the same time or did Diana just hang back? It seemed like they were happening at the same time. Then the people in attendance should have known that this is not the event that Diana was going to be at. They didn't yeah. check they the website. Okay, so then we get the 
the dinner in Tasmania that really pushes Charles over the edge. Earlier in the episode, we saw that they do have separate bedrooms, but the door was open. Now the door is firmly closed. Charles is like, people, because of you, were booing me. They were laughing at me. And Diana's like, you know what? If I wasn't there, no one would have shown up. She's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then they go and find... So they finally meet Hawk, which I feel like was something that had been kind of teased throughout the whole episode. Um, because, as I mentioned, we saw Hawk at the beginning, and he didn't really need to be there. But then we finally get there, and at this point, it's too late. Australia is not seceding from the realm at this point uh, because people love Diana. They love how down-to-earth she is, and she's just ruined it for everybody. That is the power of fairy tales. Well, here's the thing. If Diana had been my potential queen, I would have asked the U.S. to rejoin the Commonwealth. Actually, we should just do that anyway. No. Yeah, I get it. No. Yeah, yes. Definitely not. We don't have health care. Maybe they could help with that. Please. <laughs> Someone help us. Even after this happens, this is a really long tour because then they still have to go to New Zealand and we kind of just get New Zealand in a montage. We see kind of like Diana really starting to spiral. Her eating disorder is really kind of kicking back in. It's kind of like intercut with a, like a Maori performance. That's kind of it. Then they go back to London and we see them get in separate cars and drive in opposite directions. Charles is going straight to Highgrove, and Diana is going to Kensington Palace with William. It seems, I mean, it seems like this relationship is over at this point. Like, I don't know that they can really come back. I mean, we know that they don't, but I feel like this may be the point from which they never come back. Well, they somehow have Harry, so maybe they have a moment. Yeah, yeah, now I'm curious. But I mean, we still have, again, like we're only in 1983. They're still going to be married for like the better part of the next decade, right? Yeah, I believe so. It's just left off in such a bad place. Um, like, I don't know that oh, we've really sure. left off sure. in such a bad place since maybe like the season two finale between like Liz and Philip. Oh, I thought oh, I was going to say season three with Margaret and Tony. That was pretty bad. Oh, Wait, season bad. two finale, isn't that where, where Philip becomes prince? Or no, 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 that's... That's where they're like, Liz threatens him with his affairs and stuff. Oh, sure. But don't they come to like some kind of agreement? Like, doesn't it end on a somewhat like positive note? I, I can't imagine that like Claire and Matt's last episode would have been like a dour one. I think it, I feel like it was though. Yeah, I don't think so. No, they took a photo together. Um... Yeah, but it wasn't like a happy photo. I, th I, I thought, I'm thinking what Ivan thought. <laughs> All right, but then speaking of Queen Elizabeth, Diana, she has one more card to play. She finally gets an audience with Queen Elizabeth. I feel like she's been asking for an audience with Queen Elizabeth for like at least three or four episodes now. She finally gets it. I'm wondering like, is it because Australia was a triumph that Elizabeth is like, okay, fine, fine, you've earned it. Like, you can speak to me now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I guess. But like, how many, I mean, is this something that Diana has tried to do in the past? We know she, she so. tried to do it like prior to her, her wedding when she was staying at the palace. But on any given day, like, can she phone up Buckingham and say like, hey, is Liz available? I need to chat. And has she done that? Or do you just like bust that out when, when, when things are bad like this? I feel like the queen has told Martin, like, if Diana calls, like, I'm in a meeting, you know? <laughs> Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, she gets there. Uh, she storms in. She gets in and she calls Liz mama. 
And she says Liz told her to call her that. I can't imagine Liz ever saying that. Call me mama. <laughs> it, it was probably like in a really strategic moment where like she needed Diana to like feel connected to the family, but she didn't really mean it. Yeah. And so Diana's basically like, Charles it, it resents me and I don't know why. I'm hoping that you can tell me because you are his mother. To which Liz says, Because I've been a terrible mother. Is that what you've come here to tell me? <laughs> It, it was so painful. Like, she's she was asking for really practical, like, I'm trying to work with the team here advice. And Liz just couldn't do it. Liz is like, this is as much your fault as Charles's fault, because were you not enjoying it? Yeah. It's, um, it's like Diana, like, walked up with her and was like, you know, with you being the renowned expert on having Charles resent you, can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about how you cope? Just how do you cope with your terrible son? Please. I know you don't like him either. Diana going to Queen Elizabeth is kind of like when you have a problem with your boss. So you go to your boss's boss and you complain about your boss uh, because she's like, you know what? If you're nice to me, everyone else will be nice to me. So just like be nice to me. And Queen Elizabeth is like, mm, I don't know. I can't commit to that. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's really it's funny, but it's also like that was the moment where I was like, I don't know if I like Liz anymore or like in that scene, you're like, I don't like her. Like she's generally like affably like you like Liz, you know, even if she has her not good moments, but no, this was like, Oh, I think this season so far, she's had more not good moments than yeah, good I ones. Agree. Yeah, that's true. This one just really highlighted it for me. We were like, Oh no, you're not playing for the team either. Yeah. And this is your team. Like she said, <laughs> like you're the captain. Well, it's like as time, I feel like general general public sentiment for the monarchy has probably gone down a little bit. And it definitely feels like the show has kind of reflected that as well. I think we, we obviously saw it a little bit in the beginning, but I feel like more and more as we enter kind of like the quote unquote modern age, more people are like, do we even need this anymore? Oh, for yeah. sure. I think it even reflects the modern audience watching The Crown right now where like, I think in like before Diana, there's like a clear distinction of like before Diana and after Diana and like the enthusiasm that the average person would have. And I feel like they're like, oh, I know you guys don't like them anymore. So we're going to reflect that in the show. Yes. But like at the same time, it's all very manipulative. And, you know, they're they're cherry picking specific moments to show us. And there's you could just as easily like, you know, paint a narrative that reflects any given character in the opposite light if you wanted to. Peter Morgan has an agenda, let's just say. Oh, no, he definitely has an agenda, and he is a um, Diana stan. That's, that's very clear. What was interesting was at the end of the episode, they make Liz introspective about it, and she's like, did I make a mistake? Which I don't know that, I, like, I don't buy that. Like, if you're thinking that, like, do it in the moment. Like, you can't retroactively be like, oh, does she have a point? Oh, for sure. And then watch that not have an effect on any future interactions they have. But, well, I, I'm fairly confident it will not. And Qu Queen Mother is like, no, that girl is a brat. <laughs> like, Queen Mother, you help pick her out. So you know what? Queen Mother, it's your fault that Charles is not with Camilla, <laughs> the woman that he wants to be with, and everybody knows it. It is her fault. She's kind of caused, like, every marriage problem. 
in this family. Not a Queen Mother fan anymore. I, I feel like the season three slash four Queen Mother is just a completely different person from the one in the first two seasons. Like, I know yeah. it's a different actress. I know they're going to have like slightly different portrayals, but I I cannot reconcile like, you know, the the Queen Elizabeth with this like frumpy old woman who just like sits there grinning like an idiot and, and does nothing useful. Well, I just think she like was of her time in like the King's speech and then never progressed from there. And the farther away you get, the less charming it gets to not move with the times. Uh, well, they gave Gen 1 Queen Mother that whole episode where she went and she found that like house in Scotland and she connected with like a normal person. It's like, why did they give us that? And then just like make her just this grumpy old person again. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Again, that that episode feels like, you know, a lifetime ago and, and just a a generation ago. Like it, it just really feels like they 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 couldn't really connect the dots between how she was in her youth versus how she is now. It, yeah. like every every other character i about just about every other character i see it i'm like okay yeah you know this is a different actor but you know it seems like the same person at their core but queen mother like something has gone terribly wrong there and she how old is queen mother now at this point she's got to be like 250 <laughs> i'm going to say that she is in her 80s i think she died really? at like 100 she died really old. All the she Windsors died pretty 80. old. Yeah. Well, she doesn't look 80, but I'm saying like she has to be 80 because at this point, Queen Elizabeth is- In her 60s. In her 60s, yeah. yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. I mean, if she's in her 80s, she looks very good for that. Yeah. I want to see who they cast in season five when they have to find like ancient woman to play like a hundred year old. Well, I guess she wouldn't be a hundred. She'd be like in her 90s. But would that be for like, what, two episodes? No, she lived a long time. She lived into the 2000s. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think she'll be around for at least another season or two. I don't know when they, how far they're going to go. Wait. So at this point, we have with with William there, we have four like generations of royals. Yeah. 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 So we're mm -hmm. back to where we started, basically. Hmm. Oh, you're right. Because we had Queen Mary. But yeah, Queen Mother is basically like, you know what? She will bend. Everybody bends eventually. I don't know, though. Diana's not like everybody else. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Diana won't bend. I will say, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think I don't that's think a pretty safe bet. So, yeah. Is, is this dramatic irony? Yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little bit dramatic irony. Okay. Anything else to talk about here for Terra Nullius? I guess I'll just add on and say, like, if the Queen Mother really is in her 80s, then I sort of get it because her mind's probably just going. <laughs> I feel like Anne's taking the role of Queen Mother where you're just like not helpful and giving bad advice. I would add that I would watch a sitcom of just Adine and Diana because I thought all their <laughs> I thought all their fighting was fun. No, it was funny. I that one rant where like she had a good point at the core and she was really sticking to the point the whole time, but it was just so rambly. Yeah. And you're like looking at it, like you just know a Dean was like totally spacing out like, oh my God. I think what I really like about this Adine guy is that like the, you know, the, the previous like uh, secretaries, uh, uh, you know, the Dean senior and then uh, obviously, uh, you know, the legendary Tommy Lassels, like they all seemed like they were from a very antiquated era. 
And whereas like this, this guy feels like he's just like a modern man in the 1980s. Like, you know, he, 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 the way he's styled and the way that he dresses, like, you know, he, he just like, he, he doesn't seem like he's, you know, from that like ancient prehistoric time. Uh, and so it's funny to see somebody just be like kind of a total square, but in like a very, very modern context. No, for sure. I just think it's funny that he's fighting with like a 20 year old. <laughs> Like, that's just his new job. He's not that old. Like, to Ivan's point, like, they got to be pretty close in age. It's not like she's talking to, like, her dad, like, someone who's, like, her dad's age. Like, it's interesting, like, having this argument with kind of, like, almost a peer age-wise is not something That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he's more, like, Charles's age, and, like, apparently Charles thinks that Diana's, like, a child. But, yeah, you know, maybe they both do. Maybe they don't. Yeah, like, I can't imagine he is, like, more than, what, like, five to ten years older than Charles. So he's, like, very much of a similar generation. And it, and mm-hmm. it's it's just funny to see a private secretary who isn't noticeably older than the, the royals that he's serving. Yeah, for sure. It's fun times. Let's see if they get into any other fights. I think also we've just never seen someone, like, go at a private secretary like this. Like, we know Philip <laughs> is kind of, like... Eh, the about the mustaches, but he's never like actively berated them. <laughs> so. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is like it's really entertaining. I'm sure they weren't prepared for this at all. Or, or they they are. Maybe that that oh. is part of their training, and like they they need to be able to also like push back and put their foot on the ground because he he was holding his own at least for a while. I was gonna say not since Tony attacked his butler have we seen such <laughs> disrespect. I don't think that was in the crowd. It was not in the crowd. No, yeah, I think that I think that was in the the Queen's sister, right? I think so. I don't care about any of that. Um, with that, there were no Ivan overtly kinky moments. What? Whoa! There were. So I disagree. Many. What? Well, no, like there was no nudity. There was no sex. Whoa, I got one. What? I got one. I got sex. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to throw out my first nomination, and it is okay. uh, basically Diana with the swim team. Because, like, oh, yeah, that, that, that was photo, one. Yeah. That photo of them, you can just like slap a Pornhub watermark on that. <laughs> yeah, and there was some line where I forgot. Oh, I should have. I need to write down the context to this thing because I just have a note that says who, me, or them. And now I don't know what that was referring to. Oh, oh, uh, it oh, was that the was the swim team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe something about taking clothes off. So but, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll combine all of that into one. Diana and the swim team. Yes, that okay. was that was a good one. Okay, I have more. Sam, do yours. I, li- I like this line. I suppose we've got to learn to give it to each other on a more regular basis. Yeah, yeah, that was one of mine. But also, like, does it count if it was like directly acknowledged as being innuendo? Have we ever um, have we ever nominated something where like the character was like, "Oh yeah, that's a kinky crown moment." I mean, I think it can be. I don't. I'm not gonna exclude it. It's not like the example we always come back to. It's not like when we saw Philip's bare butt, they were like, "Oh, we're not going to acknowledge that that's happening in the show." Right, right. But this is like the first time that a character has reacted to a line with a that's what she said. Well, I would argue that actually happened earlier when Charles made the joke about the balls. Let's see if we can get to four. And if we don't, we'll put in that one. Okay. Will you get us there, Carlin? I'm going to try. Well, okay. So first of all, I feel like we need to acknowledge that the Russian bear hunter was very weird and kinky in a very direct way. Oh, yes. You're not really in this for the hunting, are you? (laughs) Wait, hold on though. But that that that's the point, right? The it's a 
punchline of a joke. But like the fact that Charles is saying it and with Camilla, like, oh, you got, like, is this your kink? Like bears? Okay. Okay. I'll allow it. Okay. Thanks. And then I, I don't know. I still think the, the hotel sex was like, they've never done that before. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, hold on. Hold on. What sex? Because quite frankly, I was a little frrustrated that like it cuts away. Like I know oh, that you this, really that, wanted a. I know, I know that this this isn't the show that is just like you know oozing with a ton of sex scenes, but uh, you know at the same time this is like the only episode where we see true sparks fly between Charles and Diana, and I don't know like I, at least they could have like you know showed some tasteful undressing and then you know pan away to the curtains, but instead we get nothing. That was what I was saying. It wasn't overt. Yeah, I don't know. I I I still think it counts though. A little bit. It gets to be a tame one. The implication of sex counts. Thanks. In that case, I'd like to nominate the appearance of Prince William. <laughs> Just Prince William. Because we know there was sex. We know there was unprotected sex at some point that produced this baby. Yeah, you know, like two years ago. <laughs> are, we, are we really trying to push for four? Well, there's like when Charles is on the phone with Camilla and he says that he misses her adulthood. Is the concept of adulthood a kink? I think so. Wait, no. Why not? No, no. <laughs> I think we are past four. Are we though? <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. If we're counting all of these. I think we're, we're like, we're, I think we're, at best we're at two and a half right now. Okay. Where are we going? I'm voting for the um, swim team. I like the swim team. Okay, swim team it is. Yeah, they were also all in Speedos, so the Speedo just elevates the the swim team moment. All right, so that is The Crown, episode 406, Terranullius. Next week, we'll be back again talking about episode 407, entitled Hereditary Principles, grappling with mental health issues. Margaret seeks help and discovers an appalling secret about estranged relatives of the royal family. Um, so we get a Margaret episode finally. It's been a minute. Seven episodes in, yeah. That that's the longest we've gone without one. But I mean, I suppose her her role in all of this is becoming less central. Perhaps that's a yeah. theme we'll explore. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's do Helena it. Bonham Carter really underutilized this season overall. I feel like mm-hmm. if you if we accumulated her screen time to this moment, would we say she's even been in like five minutes total? I mean <sighs> I, Maybe more I five, don't but know 10, that she's been in be more scenes it. than yeah. Dennis Thatcher. <laughs> I think Dennis Thatcher's been in way more scenes. He's gotten to talk. With with the way things are going, I think Edward Adeen might end up giving her a run for her money. <laughs> All right. So, Ivan, in the meantime, if people want to catch up with you uh, regarding anything Crown related, where can they do that? I've got nothing. Uh, Crown Around Pod, Twitter.com. Carla, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right. And I'm on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. I've been just plugged uh, our show handle though. That's the best place to reach us. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about the crown or about the Royal family. And in the meantime, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God save the queen. God save the queen. God save the queen.